talking about obedience. I introduced the topic um, last week, just talking about um, why we obey. And this week I'm going to be talking about Jesus. He's a good person to talk about. Um, and specifically with obedience, because this is the crazy thing. Um, I'm going to be preaching out of Hebrews a little bit today. But in Hebrews 5 verse 8... It says, son though he was, so the son of God, though he was the son of God, he learned obedience. Right? Just think about that, that one sentence just for a minute. The son of God, who was without sin, without blemish, he had to learn obedience. Right? Jesus who was with God, was part of the Holy Trinity there from the beginning of creation and before even then, he had to learn how to be obedient. How much more then must we learn to be obedient, right? And so this gives us a very, a very important clue when it comes to obedience. We think, well, there's the obedient and then there's the disobedient, right? They are the, 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 the good, obedient, happy, clappy Christians, and then they're just the disobedient sinners. And, and it's true, yes, to a certain extent, but also... Obedience is something that as a Christian, you don't, you're not just automatically obedient. Obedience is something that you have to learn. It's something that you have to practice. It's something that you have to discipline yourself, right? And so when we're talking about obedience, we have to understand that it's, it's not just obedience in the sense that I do what God tells me. Yes, absolutely, that is part of it, but it's also I've got to grow into it. I need to learn to be obedient, okay? And we know this intuitively because anybody that's a parent knows, okay? We've all seen those kids at checkers and they're throwing a, a temper and the first thing that we think is, yes, that kid needs a good hiding, eh? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, but we don't think that the child is bad. Often we think it's, well, the parent probably needs to discipline, right? And in fact, I, I, I think when... When you get any children and they're acting up, it's not the problem is not a child. The problem is not that the child was born wrong. The problem is that the child probably just needs some love, right? The child needs some discipline, and not necessarily in the hiding sense, but just taught how to do something. We don't blame the child. We look at the parent and we go, hey, maybe that parent needs a hug and some help, right? Does that make sense? Because we know intuitively that the child needs to learn to be obedient, right? My son, Oliver, he's five years old. He needs to learn to be obedient. And sometimes his disobedience is because of rebellion, yes. But sometimes his disobedience is because he doesn't know what he wants from me. And I need to learn to communicate what I want, and then I also need to ask myself, does Oliver know how to do what I'm asking him to do? Okay, so um, I've been part of the worship team for a while, 
um, and I'm very privileged to be part of the worship team. Anybody that's on the worship team will tell you, okay, that there is this intersection of of uh, wanting to be able to play something, and uh, there's the ability to play something, right? There's many moments where you're on stage and you're like, oh, Holy Spirit's leading me in this direction, and I want to do it, and it's such an amazing moment. And then there's the question of, well, can I actually do it, right? So there, there are... The, 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 there's a, I love that example because there's an intersection of things that seem nice and feel nice as opposed to actual reality. Can I actually do it? And one of the, I think one of the most, um, the, one of the biggest truths that it comes to in the worship team is that you, if you haven't practiced, if you haven't learned, if you haven't spend time with your instrument and your, in your personal devotional time, then when the moment comes on a Sunday and you're not prepared for it, it's just not going to happen. Right? So we can talk about spontaneous Holy Spirit moments, but if the band is not practiced, if they're not ready, if the individual members have not put in the effort, then it's just not going to happen. Right? And, and obedience is like that very much in a sense that um, as we look at the life of Jesus, which we looked at a bit last week, Jesus went through trials and tribulations, right? And, and this scripture refers to it. He learned obedience from what? From what he suffered, right? And we always ask, well, why do we go through these things? Why do we go through difficult moments and it's so that when that moment arrives, that hour, when your hour arrives, so to speak, you're prepared for it. You can be it. It's not just that you want to be obedient. It's that you can be obedient. Have you ever been put in the situation where you know what the right thing is to do and you want to do it, but you don't do it, right? Uh, and Paul says, says very much, and uh, he, he, he refers to this sentiment very much in Romans chapter 7. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't do, that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing, right? This very real human moment. I feel like, sure, uh, if Paul's saying that, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, you know. <laughs> and uh, the, the reality is that we as, as humans, if I was going to sit down with any one of you and and say, write me a list of things that you should be doing that you're not doing. Write me a list of all the things that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. All of us would be able to write a few things down, <laughs> right? Um, and thank the Lord that we have a Savior that's paid a price for those sort of things. Um, so what's the problem? The problem is we have a sinful nature, yes, but the other problem is that we are, need to train ourselves in righteousness, we need to train ourselves to be obedient, right? We need, and, and we're going to look a little bit today. Well, how did Jesus do it? So he learned obedience from what he suffered. What exactly does that look like? Okay, so let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1. We're going to look at a few things together. 
And I'm sure all of you bought your Bibles, hey? Because we're such good Christians. Okay, fantastic. Are you guys at Hebrews 5? Let's read. So now in, in Hebrews, Hebrews is an interesting book uh, just because we're not really sure who wrote it. So there's a couple of theories. I think the, the biggest um, candidate uh, that seems to have the most weight behind that idea is that Paul wrote it. But there's a few things to suggest that he didn't. And I actually read something in the last, I think about two weeks ago, somebody said that perhaps he made an argument that Peter wrote it. But we're not really sure. Um, but what we do know is that the book is intended for an audience, the, the Hebrews themselves, and they were under heavy persecution. And what had happened was that the church in Jerusalem was experiencing heavy persecution. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, he was leading that church, and uh, James was, was killed for his faith, and ultimately the church was then scattered um, to the surrounding areas around Jerusalem. They were in a sense, forced out of Jerusalem and scattered along the peripheries of Jerusalem. And so this book was intended for that audience. And uh, we read later, for instance, in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, there's that famous chapter about discipline, for instance. Jesus uh, disciplines the, the ones that he loves. And that's an interesting chapter because it's a pers they persecuted people. Right, they're going through a bad time. They haven't been, dis they haven't been disobedient, not that we know of. Um, Hebrews uh, chapter five does tend to hint at something at the end of the chapter, but but for for what we understand from the chap from the book as a whole, they haven't been disobedient. But the author seems to make a connection between you're going through difficult times, but it's actually a sign that God loves you. It's validation that you are loved by Jesus. Okay? And that, and that seems to be the theme of the book as a whole, that there are people, the, the book makes reference to people in the past. There are people in the past that have come before you that have gone through difficult things, but because they've believed in God, it was accounted to them as righteousness. And so Hebrews chapter 5 seems to zone in on the person Jesus and makes a few comments. So let's read together from verse 1. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness because of this, he is obliged to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. This is, of course, referring to the Day of Atonement. And during the Day of Atonement, Anna Marie covered this a couple of weeks back. Uh, she did very well. The, the high priest would, would once a year meet with God uh, in the most holy of holy places. And what was interesting is that the high priest would do the same ceremony twice. So they would, they would sacrifice the lamb, take the blood, go into the outer, go into the, the holy place, 
sprinkle blood all over the place, go into the most holy place, and then offer sins for them, offer sacrifices for themselves as the priest. And then they would go out and repeat the whole thing for themselves. Okay? And that's what this is referring to. He's saying that because of his weakness, the priests coming before Jesus would have to offer sacrifices for themselves. Because of their own weakness, they would overlook certain sins of people, right? Because they see the sins in themselves. Okay, verse 4, And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Referring to the fact that to be a priest was not a small thing, right? It's not an honor that people sought out Perhaps people sought out to be leaders, but to be a priest, because of the weight of it, it's not necessarily things that people would seek out. Also, specifically because in the Old Testament, if you met with God and your life was not right, as the high priest, if you went into the most holy places and your life was not right with God, you'd be struck dead. So it was the one position in, in God's kingdom where you didn't want to mess around. It's not something that you look for. But listen to this, verse 5. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence so first off in verse 5 this is not something that Christ exalted himself with okay and what was very interesting about the ministry of Jesus is that up until the point Peter had this revelation of who Jesus was he never made a declaration of who Jesus himself never made a declaration of who he was. That's very interesting, right? Up until Peter made, had this revelation from God that this is the Christ, son of the living God, right? Before that, the only time that we know that this is the son of God is when Jesus is baptized and the heavens open. Because before that, Jesus would not go to people and say, hey, uh, Matthew, follow me. I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? He didn't, he didn't make those declarations. And in fact, up until Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was, um, there were many theories, even, even with the 12 disciples. Right? And that's why Jesus asks them, who do you say I am? Think about that. Why did he have to ask that? Didn't they know who he was? No, they didn't. They didn't really know because he didn't go about telling them. It was not a position that he sought, right? And so um, there are all these theories going around the camp. He has to ask them, who do you? And Peter says, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a teacher. Okay, but who do you say I am? Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? And that's, that's very important because the entirety of the Christian faith centers around this one question. Who is Jesus? Right? And all contention with the Christian faith comes down to that 
singular point. Who do you say Jesus is? Okay? For instance, in Islam, they don't have a problem with Jesus being a prophet or a teacher, and they recognize him as a prophet. What's, what is the contentious issue? They, it surrounds the fact that he is the son of the living God. They don't believe that he is God, in other words. Okay? Non-Christians love Jesus. They think he's all about love, peace, and joy, and he's this great, and he had these amazing things. But why won't they submit their lives to him? Because they don't recognize who he is, that he is God. Okay, do you understand that? And so if you're looking at Christianity, and you're looking at its essence, in terms of what separates a Christian from a non-Christian, it has to do with that one question, well, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he to you? And for Jesus, he did not have to go around proving that himself. It was not something that he had to declare. Okay? By my actions, just think about what he would say very often to the Pharisees. Okay? You, you doubt who I am, but look at, what I've, look at what I've done. Look at the miracles that I've performed. Look at the the signs and the wonders, right? Can, can you read these things? Do you understand what's going on? You'd say very often to the, to the disciples, okay? Have you, not, have you not seen what's, why are you afraid? Why are you so afraid? Look at what I've done. Look at what happened, okay? I don't need to tell you. I, I shouldn't have to be, a, and so if we're looking at the first thing about obedience, the one who seeks to be obedient does not have anything to prove. Not to the people around me. And why does Jesus not have anything to prove? Because his life is submitted wholly and completely to God. I'm more interested in what God thinks about me than what man thinks about me. I don't have to make a declaration of who I am. Okay? How will they know that we're Christians? At the end of John chapter 13, right? They will know that you are Christians. They will know that you are my followers by the love that you have for one another. Not by what you say about yourself. In other words, talk is cheap. We know that, eh? Talk gets you only so far. Show me what you've got. How do you love people? So when we're looking at the first thing about obedience, obedience does not seek to prove anything about myself. Again, my identity is fixed firmly in Christ. You say you'll have faith, I will show you my faith by what I do. James chapter 2, right? Talk only gets you so far. I'm not, and this, and this was Jesus' mentality. I don't need to declare who I am. I will let my actions speak for itself. I'll let God appoint me. And this is what it's referring to in Hebrews 5 verse 5. So, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him, him being God, head of the Trinity, who said to him, you are my son, today I've begotten you, right? Referring, of course, to, to Mark in the beginning of Mark, well, most of the Gospels, where Jesus is baptized and God announces the heavens open up, Holy Spirit comes as a dove, 
the, a loud voice declares, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? It's not Jesus who's declaring, I am the son of God and God is well pleased with me. God himself declares, appoints, approves of God. In our mentality, because we, we can't talk about obedience. We want to be obedient, but we can't talk about obedience if we're more afraid of what people think as opposed to being concerned with what God thinks. Right? And we have to tackle that. Do I care what people think? Am I more interested in being appraised and proved and exalted by man? Or do I seek God's approval? Because until we get that right, we, we're not going to get obedience right. You will be obedient to the thing that you care most about. Or fear, yeah, precisely, right? You, you're, going to be, you're going to be drawn, your actions are going to be dictated by who you're trying to please. And if your mentality is to, tr- to please man, you will end up disobeying God. This is what James says in chapter 4, James chapter 4. He says that, that partnership with the world is enmity towards God, right? And so my mentality has to be, I have to have this shift in my mind and my heart that God, I, I don't necessarily feel like it. I'm still trying to, to uh, make my mother-in-law happy. But, <laughs> but I desire, I want to be approved by you, not by man. And if I die with the disapproval of man, but the approval of God. That is good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? Let's move on. Verse, um, verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayer and supplication with loud cries and tears to him, that being God, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Once again, that idea of, God, I revere you. Above man. Why was the prayer why were the prayers of Jesus heard? Because of his reverence. Right? Remember he'd say this very often. I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And that has to be the prayer. That's the prayer of a reverent man or woman towards God. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Okay? God listens. This is and this is very encouraging. God listens to the people that put his will above their own will or above the will of people around them. When we learn to, to, to take God's opinion over man's opinion, God listens to those people. And that's very encouraging, right? That, if you want prayers listened to, who do you revere? But on the flip side... God does not listen to prayers that have to do with glorifying the people around us or ourselves. Okay? God will always listen to us. Don't get me wrong. He loves us very much. But his, his objective is his glory. And when we pray into that, those prayers are heard. Right? Okay, and, but I think that's very encouraging. I, I really do. Uh, verse 8, 
although he was a son, once again, so just think about that, that first sentence, although he was a son. In other words, although he was part of the Trinity, although he was God, he learned obedience. His, in other words, if Jesus' position does not excuse him from being obedient, your position will also never excuse you from being obedient. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Right? In my, in my family, we, we're listening to this song. Um, it's, it's by this funk band. But it talks about whether you're a, a politician or a pauper, whether you have money, whether you have none, you need to decide who you're going to serve. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you need to decide, right? Nobody is excused. And if Jesus' position, being the son of God, although he was the son of God, he had to learn obedience, okay? And he submitted himself to this process. Um, fantastic. Okay, let's move on. Uh, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so that because he has obedience, because he's shown obedience, when we are obedient to him, he becomes the source of our salvation. Okay, but I'm jumping ahead. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Oh, shucks, I just lost my bookmarker. There we go. Got it. Okay. So Philippians is written by Paul, written to the church of, of, of Philippi, and uh, he starts, I, Philippians chapter um, 1 has a lot of exhortations and just laying down the basics of the faith. In Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2 is a chapter I go back to often, I, I think of this as a life chapter, um, this is, I think if you can measure your life against this chapter, this is the mirror you look in and you look at yourself. Do I look like this chapter? No, I don't, right? Uh, I, I think that there's so much gold in this chapter. I think you could spend a lifetime in it. But in this, we talk about Jesus. And in the chapter, it says, take on this mindset. And, um, and Jesus, we're going to read. I'm going to give you the punchline ahead of time. But in it, we learn that because of Jesus' obedience, he has position and power, right? And we, we think of it the other way around. Sometimes we think that because we have position and power, we are exempt from being obedient or showing, or showing character or principles, right? Sometimes when we are in charge, especially when we're the boss, we, uh, maybe even just of our own kids, we place different standards on the people that we lead as opposed to ourselves. Right? My, the, the people that I'm leading should do X, Y, and Z. But because I'm the boss, I'm special, I get exempt from all of that. So the first thing that we learned about in Hebrews chapter 1 about obedience is that um, obedience has a lot to do with insecurities, right? All disobedience has a lot, to, and and obedience has a lot to do with 
being secure in Christ. In other words, we, we think about the obedience and disobedience as the ability to hear and the, and the non-ability to hear. Okay? To do. And, and it gets to that, but it's not the first thing. The first thing is that I don't have anything to prove God will vindicate me. It is God that I try to please. And then the second one that we're going to read about in Philippians chapter 2 has to do with position, that those who have great position are called for greater obedience. Not the other way around. It's not position exempts you from being more obedient. It's if you have position, you are called for more obedience. Right? And, and we're going to learn this about Jesus. Okay. So let's read from verse 1 once again. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So there's that direct connection. Okay. Now, now think about how he starts this. He says, if there is any joy, if there's any good thing about being a Christian, okay, if we're going to distill Christianity to one thing, love one another. Okay, love one another as I have loved you. In other words, the, the proof of the pudding in how I've loved you has to do with how you treat the people around you. And I made that reference last week as well, right? That, that obedience comes down to the one, the, a law that Jesus leaves us at the end of Roman, uh, uh, John chapter 13. Right? He gives that new commandment. Love others as... I have loved you, right? And how did he love us? Well, he loved us through serving. And so if, we're gonna, if, if there's one thing, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, being same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, so now everybody put their hand on their head. Okay, this is the mindset that I want. Paul's going to introduce this mindset. Okay, and he wants you to have this mindset which is yours in Christ, if it is something that you want, hopefully it is, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Once again, although he was God, although, his, although he had the position, that's not something that he strived for. Right? He that had the greatest position, who has the greatest position, who sits at the right hand of the throne of God, did not count that thing as the thing that is to be desired in life, right? 
Verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, the thing that Jesus strove for, the thing that, that he desired was not position, but was serving. So if we're going to take on the mindset of Christ, if we're talking about obedience, obedience starts with identity fixed in who Jesus says that I am. It starts with that. That's what we read about in Hebrews chapter 5. And then secondly, because my identity is fixed in Jesus, obedience, the second thing about obedience has to do with how we look to serve the people around us. Okay? How do I love the people around me? I'd, I'd, I'm not going to go for position. I'm going to go for serving. How did Jesus demonstrate that? Well, that looks like getting on my knees and washing people's feet. It looks like putting the interests of others over myself. Because remember, I've got nothing to prove. I don't need anything. Everything that I have and that I need and that I want is supplied by God. I don't need anything from you. And so I'm free to serve you. And I demonstrate the love that Jesus has for me and the love that I have for other people. So obedience is not this guy with the whip who's going, do this, don't do this. Sometimes it is, okay? But obedience at its core has to do with love one another as I've loved you. Demonstrate the love. Take on the mindset of Christ. What is the mindset of Christ? That he didn't seek position. He, he sought to serve. Okay? And now let's go to the next slide, this last slide. I'm going to wrap things up now. In verse 9, the very next verse, listen to this. Like I'm going to quickly read 8 because you need to get this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Okay, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore, everybody say therefore. God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that word therefore ties in verse 9 with verse 8. In other words, because of his obedience, therefore it follows on that he is exalted by God and he has the name above every other name. In other words, position does not excuse him from being obedient, right? But it is because of his obedience that he has position. Does that make sense? And that's why, that's why Jesus talks about, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be the least. Because you can't separate. In the kingdom of God, it works a little bit differently. You can't separate obedience from position but we sometimes get in that mindset well because I have this position I'm exempt from serving I don't have to serve right I don't I don't have to that's what that's what the coffee team does you know oh shame you know I don't I don't do coffee you know they can do that I'm, I'm the pastor I don't get to serve you know right I'm the head of this house my wife needs to make my food. <laughs> right? 
I won't say amen. I won't ask for an amen there. <laughs> right? But because I'm the head of the house, I serve. And because of my service, that is why I have the position that I have. In other words, my position as being the head of the home doesn't exclude me from, from serving my wife. But in serving my wife, I demonstrate my position. Does that make sense? And so if you, have, if you want position with God, and that is a very good thing to desire, you should want to have position with God. The way that you gain position with God is by making yourself a servant, demonstrating. So that is what Jesus demonstrated with us, that he served the people around. He did not, he did not count his kinship with God as something to use over people, but instead he humbled himself made himself as a servant and was obedient even till, even till death, death on the cross. And because of that, God exalted him, lifted him up and gave him the name that is above every other name.